From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. Oh, it's almost here, fellas. It's almost Christmas. Almost. It is. Oh, you've been, up, you've been up on the moors as well, haven't you? Look at myself. <laughs> oh, please, babe. Don't remind me. And it's, I'm, I'm so pleased. I was actually marooned on the moors for the last two days rather than today because it's apt that storms here. Uh, and, right, I know you're a little bit removed, mate, but it's blowing an absolute hooli. So, uh, is it really? Yeah, winds It's nice just... and sunny here, not too bad. 24 no. degrees in my office right now. That's so. not what we want to hear, mate. That's not what we want to hear. <laughs> We've got 80, 80 mile an hour gusts at the moment, so it's um, there's even uh, trees coming down in certain parts and stuff. So uh, oh we're getting goodness, we're getting absolutely battered. And yes, yeah, um, if you're in the northeast, stay safe. Yeah, I, I mean, and particularly here, it's here in Scotland, isn't it? That's getting battered. The, uh, yeah. da- down south. Down south, where they talk like that, um, and they they drink cups of tea with their little pinky sticking in the air. Uh, they're all right. They've escaped it. We're getting battered. It's coming in from Denmark, apparently. So, uh, so there you go. Oh they've, they've chosen me. to pick on us, but uh, I'm so pleased I wasn't stuck uh, 80 meters above sea level, uh, 30 meters above ground level like I was yesterday on the tower where our transmitters are. So uh, it, I'd have been I'd been having to chain myself to the railings just to survive. <laughs> but anyway, last night, lads, the Carabao Cup semi finals were completed. Oh, Liverpool yes. hammering literally West Ham 5 yeah. 1 to claim that final Carabao Cup spot. Yep. And then when the draw happened, oh, yes. I was actually. I was actually out of my final music gig of the, the, the year last night. I went to see Ocean Colour scene. Um, oh, the, the day we caught a train. Yes, at, uh, at the City Hall. Fantastic night. Um, and obviously, my phone started going wild. As expected, um, semi-final draw. New, uh, Middlesbrough versus Chelsea. Would have been Newcastle against Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, absolutely gutted about that. Um, I mean, that. That just compounds the misery. Not just for Newcastle fans. But for Middlesbrough fans as well, because you know ultimately it would have been great that a two-legged oh. semi-final, northeast, uh, northeast derby would have been fantastic, lads, wouldn't it? Yeah, Newcastle. It would have, had, it would have, would have been special. It would have been very yeah. special. It would have been great for TV rights as well, as we're seeing this morning. People claiming that it was rigged. Yes. Uh, that it was. Uh, they're just trying to buy the views to get Chelsea and Liverpool in the final. Um, but I think especially if uh, if we had have seen both Newcastle and Middlesbrough through. A great little, you know, two-legger against Newcastle would have been good for the TVs, yeah. Davey. I'm not yeah. being funny, like I'm not being funny, like. But if Middlesbrough get their players back, they'll give they'll give Chelsea a game. Chelsea aren't Chelsea aren't great, and the two-legged the two-legged semi always makes it interesting, Dave. It does. Um, you know, were Harry's balls warmed before the draw? I've got no idea. I mean, I've been in green rooms <laughs> before, and uh, you know, been served cups of tea and coffee but I've never had my balls warmed but you know I don't think it was rigged fellas I've got you know as much as people are complaining but look um, do you know I'm not gutted with the draw had we have pulled Liverpool that was it good night you know last one out turn the lights off Um, it would have been a great experience in the semi-finals going to Anfield but do you know what as slim as the chance is I'm not convinced we're we're not going to get to the final yet I'm not it's a hell of yeah, a week no, for the Northeast we... Footy Brecky show that week as well. Yeah, oh, the first yeah, games, massive first week. games the eighth of January. Oh. Newcastle and Sunderland have. 
got locked horns on the sixth. Oh. So what a week! What a what a yeah, week! Not wrong. What do you reckon, yeah, right? Can, can we do Chelsea yeah. over two legs? Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, we we, we you know it, it, they still got January, and that's what scares me with Chelsea is because they're going to buy more. You know what I mean? It's, it's the way they do it and the way they get around it, isn't it? So they're going to get into January. They're obviously going to fix up what Pochettino wants and spend some money and then we're going to probably see a pretty bit of a different Chelsea squad but again same for us you know we go into January we've got so many injuries it gives us a chance to get our, get our boys back and finally we get a chance to go at home as well for the Carabao Cup finally so I think we can do it definitely I think Chelsea are a, a one in five team as in they perform once in five games but it's still going to be uh, it's still going to be a challenge for us you know obviously the borough and at the level we're at and obviously with the injuries as well we just got to work on our injuries Mm. And recruitment in January, uh, but the same token, so is blimmin', uh yeah, so is blimmin Chelsea because well, you know they're going to spend the cash. Well, they haven't got a bad squad as it is, so I'm, I'm coming from the point that no matter who they add, they can hardly, you know, hugely make an impact on the quality of their squad because it's already half decent. Um, Very true. But but where, where do you two boys stand on these two legs? Home first, away first. I mean, if if it was oh, Newcastle, Chelsea, first, yeah, that's you've what I was thinking. Go there, you put go up a decent defence. Yeah. You get that? You away get you go down there with a narrow one 0 defeat or a one one draw at Chelsea. That's a great result yeah. for Borough. You yeah. bring them back to the Riverside with the atmosphere, and you, you just gotta, you know, you you, you just gotta put your chances away. It's as simple as that. And Chelsea, are, Chelsea are not Real Madrid. They're not Barcelona, and they're not Liverpool. Um, they're, they're a team which is is beaten on its day. You know, it's eleven against eleven, and, and um, you know. Just hope, just hope, Borough get this the the, the favourable the favourable away leg first, and that would be fantastic. Like you know, it'd be great to see Middlesbrough get the final. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd be over the moon to see them get there. Um, I, I think you would end up playing Liverpool. Sadly, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, and I, agree. I think I, I think that would be a, a bridge too far. But you know, you never know. We we you know we we've all lived through the the era of the crazy gang. You know, um, yeah, and you know you just never know. We've lived through Leicester winning the Premier League. That's what makes football. That's what makes football so exciting. You know, you've always got a chance. And Borough have got to do the first job first, get through to the final, and then see where they go from there. But they've done this before, yep. haven't they? 1988. I know it's before your time, fellas. There's only uh, Radio Dad who's old enough to remember this because I was there as a wet behind the ear fledgling radio reporter with my little tape recorder ring on the Stamford Bridge turf. But the um, the 88. Uh, I think was it the first season we had the football league playoffs where three teams from the second division and one team from the then first division, which is now the Premier League, went into the playoffs and uh, Borough pulled Chelsea. Uh, first first leg at home at uh, Essen Park. Borough won it 2-0, went down to Stamford Bridge, lost 1-0, so won 2-1 on an aggregate, relegated Chelsea and Borough got promotion. So there is previous form of playing at home mm. against Chelsea first. Now, I know that was absolute aeons ago that was when Albert Einstein was publishing his theory of general relativity um, that's how old I am uh, but you know it's not impossible you know it's definitely not if the Borough could do Chelsea at home and then go out there and hold out at Stamford yeah. is it possible yeah. The first year of the second I mean, division, the first year of the second division playoffs was Newcastle Sunderland. Was if it? You remember? Oh right, okay. Mm. Yeah, it was Newcastle versus Sunderland because Newcastle, Newcastle finished third that season. Sunderland finished sixth, and 
basically Newcastle went down to the, uh, to, to Roka Park they drew 0-0 against Sunderland that was that infamous day that uh, John Burridge saved Paul Hardyman's penalty and Hardyman kicked him in the head but Newcastle's, yep. Newcastle's fans and players celebrated um, as if as if they were through, and then Sunderland came to uh, St James's Park on the Wednesday night, and Gates and Gabbiadini scored the goals to send Newcastle out. So that was the that was the infamous year, of course. That New that Sunderland then got to the final, played Swindon in the final at Wembley, and Swindon absolutely mullered them. Um, I think Swindon won the game one nil, but it should have been five or six. And then Sunderland went up because Swindon were convicted of financial irregularities and Sunderland got promoted by default just to rub salt in the wounds so absolutely horrendous but that was the day that we thought we we were there you know nil nil at Sunderland mm-hmm. just bring them back to St James's Park you're going to hammer them but it's, yeah I mean that was one of those rare events that it doesn't always happen like that you know um, yep. but I, I just I've got a feeling about Borough in this game I haven't Played Chelsea twice this season already, mm. and they haven't. You know, look, they beat us on penalties. You know, we've 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 beaten them. At, we've hammered them at home four one with 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 half a team. We've gone to Stamford Bridge. We've drawn one one with 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 less than half a team, and yep. you know we've. You know, they, they, they're there for the taking, lads. They are there yep. for the taking. Yeah, no, fans agree. have got every reason to wake up this morning with that draw and go. You know what? We've got a chance of getting to Wembley here. Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's a tough draw no matter what. I mean, getting either three teams for us, you know, from the championship, we're the only team in the championship, aren't we? You know what I mean? If, if we had have gotten Liverpool, we had have gotten Fulham, we had have gotten Chelsea, either way, it was going to be a tough team. Now, Chelsea obviously are the probably the richest in there in terms of what they're spending in their squad. I mean, we, we talk about it on the show constantly about what their squad's worth and their midfielders that they pulled off and, and, and can bring on. Now, the first leg on January 8th, at the Riverside, it, I think that's our you know our best chance because that's early in January. I don't think that's going to be any time for Pochettino to go and spend big on his squad or bring anyone in or, or change too much dramatically. But it's the same for Borough on the flip side of that. I think yeah, we've obviously been waiting for the injuries and all that sort of stuff. So that's coming a bit too soon. But January 22nd, now that's, that's obviously late in the January transfer window. It's also at Stamford Bridge. And it obviously has, you know, you got a fair few days in there where Pochettino's probably brought one or two players in by that stage. But same for Borough. So that one's obviously uh, tantalising, but it is at Stamford Bridge for me, that one. So it's interesting. Obviously, it's going to be a very, very, um, you know, it's just good. It's just a good chance for Borough to have be in the cup. And what a chance to go and play Chelsea. You know, I mean, we, this is what we want to do. If we want to get back to the Premier League, these are the types of teams we'll come against. So we've got to test ourselves. We've got to test Carrick's tactics. We've got to test... You know, our squad and everything like that, the youngsters that we've got against the best teams in the world to be able to get back to the Premier League. And is the it, Cup's exactly there for that. Has anybody got any idea what Chelsea give out numbers of tickets-wise in the Cup matches to away fans? <laughs> no idea. I mean, we yeah, got no 4,300 um, okay. the other night. So I yeah. would imagine... Can't it be would a Sunderland, be the, six grand. I would imagine... <laughs> and a corporate I would imagine it'll be the same. Yeah. I would imagine it'll be the Hospitality. same all right. Well, the four four thousand borough fans will go down there, even mm. though it's uh, even though oh, it'll be a cold, chilly Tuesday, Wednesday night. Um, yeah, maybe there is an upset on the cards. Yeah, the thing that I'll clutch at any straw anybody wants to offer me at the moment. And even if we lose two <laughs> 0 at home, I'll still hold out hope we can do a three nil at Stamford. But <laughs> I you agree. know, the fact it's later in January, I think Borough can improve their squad more than Chelsea can, simply because of the amount of injuries who may be back by the end of January. Um, yep, yep. So I'm holding I'm holding out on that one. So that's the, the straw yeah, I'm going to clutch 
uh, going into that. We've had a we've had a WhatsApp. Daniel's with us this morning. Morning, morning gents. Daniel. Morning, Daniel. He says. Morning, morning, gents. Borough can thank NUFC for softening Chelsea up. Rye, <laughs> Borough can take them down. Ooh, I like yeah. it. I like it. I like it, Daniel. Look, I've got all the confidence in the world that we can. It's just the amount of injuries that we've got at the moment, plus obviously the January transfer window where I think Pochettino is going to spell, you know, spend big. But I think, I, you know, look, any one of those three teams, we've got a chance. We're in there for a reason. We've got two legs to go home and away. I definitely think, you know, we've got we've got the right chance. We've got, you know, we've got the right attitude. And, you know, we, we go in believing. We're not going to go in going, that's it, we're done. The first time we come up against a Premier League opposition, you know, yeah. we're rare for a reason. We're in the final four. And this is what the Knights and football's made of, dreams like this, you know. Uh, do I have to remind the Borough fans of one Massimo Macaroni? Oh, yes. You know, the nights we've had, Look, you know, in cup draws. So, twice, yeah. quarterfinal. I'm, I'm very excited. Quarterfinal, semi-final of the UEFA Cup. Twice we were 3-0 down in the second leg and came back to win yep. both of them 4-3. So miracles exactly. do happen. Exactly, and I do believe in hat-tricks. Yes. So that third, hat, that third miracle is about to land mm-hmm. in January. 20 years yeah. to the day as well. Mm. Something to be said there. 20 years as well. 20 years on. Since we like won the cup. Yep. You know what I mean? Do, yeah. do, your, do your little, you know, hoodoo guru. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, there's something there as well. So no, doing doing very well. Very excited. And uh, I'm just excited to, uh, yeah, to to take on anyone at the moment. Um, obviously, our injuries are scaring me more. But, you know, Borough Bar- will be right. We, you know, we'll dig in. Okay, we commence so- on the 8th of January for the first leg. We commence on mm-hmm. 22nd mm-hmm. of January for the second leg. So yeah. Yeah. we could be in a cup final by the end of January. Yeah. So Riley, Riley yeah. might be back, mate, just uh, from injury, just in time to play at Wembley because uh, he missed out with the uh, Socceroos. There you go. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's Hopefully, if he if he if he gets back fit, he's going to get selected by the Socceroos and he'll go anyway. You know what I mean? So it's just like Boo-hiss. that's what's scaring me as well because we lose not only. Will, We'll take him and, and Sammy Silveira. So Socceroos will. Now there's so. a point. Chelsea will be stripped of mm. quite a few as well. Yeah, they will well, have there. Afcon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they've got a Premier League break in there as well. Isn't there a Premier League break? Don't you have a break in in January? I'm pretty Usually sure there's a, a Premier League break. break. Yeah, have yeah. A yeah. Break. So there's a bit of a break in there as well somewhere. I think that for for Chelsea as well. So they'll have a break, you know, with a bit of rest. So where well, I don't think we will in the Championship. So mm. we'll have uh, we've got a we've got a very thick and fast. Uh, January run as well coming at us so okay. yeah, we're going to need to recruit and recruit early recruit early and the Reds going to recruit buses because we're going to take thousands of Borough fans down to uh, down that, to a private jet yeah indeed. that break that break comes at the, at the, just in between the, 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 the legs as well so Newcastle and Manchester okay. City on Saturday the 13th um, and then we don't have a game until Tuesday the 30th against Aston Villa so that's when that midweek there you that go. comes in so that that that's that'll be the same for Chelsea and it'll be over that course of the, the second leg so they'll, they won't have had a break before that but they will have had a break um, they, will, they will have had a break after the first leg to regroup just like Harry's balls were warmed for the draw it's rigged it's rigged <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, fellas, we need to do some headlines. Are we ready to go? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Bring it on. There's only one place to start. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Thursday. Happy Carabao Cup draw aftermath. We have been chosen to play Chelsea in the Carabao Cup semi-final after making the last four of the competition for the first time in 20 years. Borough reached the semi-final on Tuesday after beating Port Vale 3-0 and 24 hours later, we're drawn to play Mauricio Pochettino's side in the next round. It means that Liverpool and Fulham will be a contest on the other semi-final, with hopefully Borough getting past Chelsea to face either Liverpool or Fulham. The 
The semi-finals played over two legs, home and away. The first leg will be played at the Riverside in the week commencing January 8th, while the second leg will be played at the Stamford Bridge in the week commencing January 22nd. Now, this is the run of fixtures that is clogging up for Borough. The first leg comes in between games between Aston Villa, obviously for the Borough in the FA Cup, and Millwall away in the Championship, while the second leg divides league games between Rotherham United and Birmingham away for Borough. But for Chelsea... All right, kissed on the forehead here. The first leg comes in between games of Preston North End in the FA Cup and Fulham. But then, due to the Premier League break, the Blues aren't scheduled to play again after Fulham on January 13th until the second leg. But if they make the FA Cup fourth round, then that game will be played on the weekend of January 27th. So Chelsea with a little bit of an easier run than Borough, but that's the way we like it, isn't it? The only thing scaring us is obviously Borough's injuries at the moment. 14 first-team players still out. We're hoping that recruitment and obviously a time between now and then gives us a chance to get some of these first players back so desperately we need. Borough and Chelsea have met 117 times previously and Borough have only won 31 of those times. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to make that 33. Come on, the Borough into the Carabao Cup against Chelsea. Those are your morning headlines. Magpies and proud. Mags News. Former Newcastle United goalkeeper Shea Given believes the Magpies should seriously consider signing David De Gea in the January transfer window. Newcastle are without first choice keeper Nick Pope after he sustained a shoulder injury earlier this month, with Martin Dubravka deputising between the sticks. Former Manchester United keeper De Gea is available after leaving Old Trafford in the summer, and Given feels any Premier League side should be considering a move for the goalkeeper. It might have been a tough few weeks for Newcastle United defender Kieran Trippier, but the England star has at least received some good news. Magpies right-back Trippier has seen off competition from the Premier League's elite players to clinch the Fans Footballer of the Year award for 2023. In an open fans vote, he finished ahead of the likes of Erlen Haaland, and Trippier came out on top after 10,000 football lovers from around the UK cast their vote, with a former Atletico Madrid man landing over 20% of the vote shared. Jude Bellingham and Haaland came third and second respectively, with Mohamed Salah winner of the first two editions of this trophy. Mary Earps followed behind him. And Newcastle have opened talks over a long-term deal for Lewis Miley, uh, the young player who has made uh, a big impression in the first team over the last couple of weeks, turns 18 later this season. And that's in Newcastle United headlines on Thursday morning. Mackhams and Proud, Black Cats News. Good morning Sunderland fans, Michael Beale has held his first press conference as Sunderland head coach and was honest in addressing some key areas of interest arising from his appointment. When asked about the team Tony Mowbray had assembled, he said that he have always enjoyed watching his teams play and will look to continue that. He was quick also to state that he has respect for him and his methods. Beale on Sunderland fans, he said, I think it will be transparent and honest, relationships will be built over time, there's nothing I can say now to win them over. And on the Sunderland staff, Bill said that he has a chance to meet all of the staff and that the interim staff did a good job in keeping things going. And finally, he's been learning how each department works and really looking forward to the game against Coventry City. Sunderland starman Jack Clark leads the championship in an impressive stat so far this season. The 23-year-old is now on 10 goals in 22 championship appearances this season. He scored just the one goal in his last eight games though and made what's been a bit of a tough run of form for both him and Sunderland. But it's been an impressive year for Clark, who leads the championship for dribbles completed this season. In just 22 league appearances in 2023-24, to 24, 
Clark has already completed a staggering 79 dribbles or 3.6 dribbles per game. The player with the second most amount of completed dribbles is Leeds United's Jorginho Rutter, who's completed 53 dribbles in 21 games or 2.5 dribbles per game. That on top of his 10 goals and one assist is made for a hugely impressive campaign for Clark, who will no doubt attract suitors once again in the January transfer window next month. And finally, according to reports from a variety of sources, the Black Cats have taken an interest in Kashiwa Race All striker Mao Hosoya. Having come through the youth ranks with his club, the 21-year-old has spent his entire senior career so far with the club. In total, Hosoya has now scored 30 goals in 125 appearances across all competitions for Kashiwa Resol, although 17 of those 30 are actually from this season. That's the kind of form that's already seen him gain plenty of international recognition. Even so, with a contract at Kashiwa Resol that is not set to expire until January 2027, this is a deal that will require some negotiation from Sunderland if they are indeed to pull it off. And that's your Thursday headlines. Gotta say, fellas, there's an awful lot of dribbling around Sunderland in that report, wasn't there? Ted, Rye, oh. and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the red, the cat, and the tan. Yes, Ted talking about lots of dribbles. There you go. No, yeah. I tell you what. Thank, yeah, he, he, he gets at me for taking too long. Let's not show his face. Yeah, not wrong. Did you Where hear Michael he? Beale's press conference just on that as well? My goodness me, I it, I was watching because it was it was streamed live on YouTube. They didn't stream all of it, only a little bit of it, but it was it wasn't inspiring. I mean, I'm obviously a mutual. I don't really care, but I just wanted to see what he had to say. But a lot of it was what Moga had done, and he said a lot of stuff like he wasn't going to change a lot. He was just going to make one to two tweaks of what Moga has already done. Really? And for me, I just I just don't get that because it was it was constantly asked like, all right, Michael, what do you bring to the table? Uh, you know, what do you do with your, you know, these players and all that sort of stuff? Jack Clark, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and, and one of the one of the things was he kept answering was, Moga's done extremely well with this club. I like the way he played. I like the style. You won't see, and he said this exactly verbatim, you won't see drastic changes from the squad or the team lineup because I think we've got it right. I'm just going to make one to two tweaks, but Moga's done an excellent job and I'm just going to tweak that just slightly. Doesn't that mean, like, why did you get rid of Moga then? Like, if you're just going to tweak it, what, that doesn't inspire me. Like, why? I don't get it. It, it just didn't seem... I get it. It didn't seem... You know what I mean? It didn't seem... It didn't seem inspiring for me that, that he's just going to come in and tweak one to two things when, when he's a brand new manager. I don't know. I don't I know. I get it. I could I get be it. wrong. Do you, know, you know what's happened, don't you? He obviously knows uh, he's, not, he's not the fan's choice. So somebody said, look, the fans are still talking lovingly about Mogger. So go in there and uh, blow smoke up Mogger's backside. The job he's done. Tell the fans it's wonderful so they've got nothing to be concerned about because I'm not going to rip up what Mogger's put in place. That's what's happened. Well, that's what he did. That's exactly wow. what he said, and that's exactly how he approached it because it was, it, it, honestly, you go, if, you, if you get a chance, anyone that's, you know, just a mutual, but obviously Sunderland fans, you would be all over it. But Michael Beale, for me, left me uninspired. I mean, I'm a mutual. It doesn't really bother me. I don't care. But... I just I would love to have gotten Ted's thoughts on it because from what he had to say was purely that Mogger's done a great job and I'm only here to tweak it slightly. So 
I mean, that for, for a new manager coming in, it just doesn't didn't make any sense to me. Well, we've got he James Copley coming derby, on. He did mention the derby, didn't he? He did mention the derby, didn't he? Saying like, you know, he some, did. some people he did. manage the club, um, you know, for you know for a full period, never get a chance to manage this game. How lucky am I, or something along those lines? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, he did say that. He did mention that, and and obviously that. But um, in terms of January transfer window, like they were saying, you know, are you going to bring in, put your stamp on it, on your team and stuff like that? And he said. Like he, he clearly, it's not his choice. He, he, he was, he was clear and foremost that he'll leave that up to the board to, to let him know what players come out and what players come in. So, I mean, again, it's that whole new attitude, isn't it? Of not, not a gaffer, not choosing the players that he wants. He's just given the squad and told to get on with it sort of thing. So it's a new era for me. And it's becoming more and more sort of, you know, this whole Kieran Scott football director sort of situation where, Michael Carrick's given the squad now, I think, and I hope that some of these coaches get their say. You would hope, but mm, I don't know. Maybe maybe he doesn't. Well, look, we've got, uh, we got James Copley joining us about 8.30 from the Sunderland Echo, yes. so we can be asking, uh, we can ask him. James, yeah, what he thought of uh, of the press conference. So um, yep. that'll, that'll be a good one. Hey, fellas, I've nicked it, and, and I've done a bit of a oh. rewrite. Hang on. Oh. Just getting it off. Where's so, it gone? So on my desk, this, on my desk this morning... There was, um, there was, there was, there was a card and a present, and oh. and and obviously we are the most so important thing on the on on the radio stations, aren't we? Uh, being yeah, being correct. the northeast footy breakfast. So hang on, obviously. I've just got a pen here. Um, hang on, hang on. And whether you're going to hear me just scrubbing oh, something oh, out here. Right. So um, a slight rewrite, just you know, just to feed our own egos. Um, the card reads to all the gang at crossed out the red the northeast footy breakfast show we, we've got a card in the present oh, oh christmas card in the present bright and happy christmas wishes have a wonderful christmas to all the gang at hang on hang on hang on right yep Yep, to all the yep. gang at the Northeast Footy Breakfast Show, best wishes, Si. And we've got, we've got a box yep. of Fox's Classic Biscuit Selection. What about oh. that? And only, Dave and, about I, that? only me, Dave and Daz can eat them. That's Fantastic. It. I don't huh? know. Ted wasn't yeah. here? Yep. Yeah, Ted wasn't yeah. here. Uh, no, nah, well, I mean, I, right, you can, you can, I, I, need, I need my half sent via international mail priority, please, uh, by tomorrow. I'm, so, just, I'm just opening uh, the biscuits, just, fellas. Yeah. You're not going to hear from me for the next hour and a half. <laughs> Look at these. We got topics. Oh my goodness. Let him eat the biscuits. Sam, oh. I wanted to ask you quickly before we go into anything uh, about some news that I heard this morning. Not some news, I guess, but just a, just a tweet that caught my eye this morning uh, involving obviously Kieran Trippier. Now, not directly involving him, but it came from a uh, a social media post of called, who are called Ref Support UK. Mm-hmm. Now, this was what just caught my eye, and I wanted you to Dave to to, to help us out with this one as well. Now, Ref Support UK had this to say. Now, this the original tweet was from BBC Match of the Day, who said, "Spare a thought for Kieran Trippier. His error has led to Chelsea's equaliser before he missed from the spot in the shootout. Football can be so cruel with a broken heart." And Ref Support UK have gone a little bit viral with this response. This is exactly why I challenge the narrative of them and us. He's talking between players and referees. It has been left unchallenged for decades that a player's mistake is always viewed less as an issue than a ref's mistake. There was an outrage days ago when a ref got a throw-in wrong, but there was no spare a thought for Michael Oliver from the BBC or anyone then, question mark. Now, Spot on. obviously he's, he's dividing the players and referees. Steve... First and foremost, obviously, Kieran Trippier, 
uh, had a had a woeful night. Are we unfair? Are we quick to forgive players but not quick to forgive referees? Well, no, I think we I think we forget referees quicker because we move on to the next game. Whereas with players, it it can fester, and that's how you end up with, you know, you know the boo boys having to go at a particular player. You know, maybe we don't see as much booing of players as as you probably saw back in the in the eighties and nineties, but. Boo boys are probably now they've transferred their energies to social media where they can be a keyboard warrior and and, and attack a, a player behind a, a faceless account. So for me things have changed dramatically. But I think I think I think referees are unless it's somebody who is a regular offender against your team and and, and I, I've got to, I've got to make sure that you understand what I mean by that. I mean a, a referee that's involved in controversy with your team on a regular basis. So, for example, mm. um, you know we've had referees in the past where game after game after game we end up on the wrong side of his decisions, and yeah. it becomes almost obvious that he's either got an issue with Newcastle or he's got an issue with a manager or he's got an issue with the with a particular player. Um, I do not believe that that doesn't happen in in refereeing. You're never going to get a referee who's going to admit it. But if a referee has been spoken to in a particular way or embarrassed in a particular fixture against a particular player or a particular manager, human nature dictates that that person is going to be on that person's that referee's watch list, if you like. And if they the, the way they're going to clamp down and show their their you know their discipline is to get them in the book early doors and i think you know that's at every level of refereeing so you know i i that's the way i personally feel but i do think that as long as it's a one-off if it's a one-off and then nothing happens the next game the next game the next game you, you forget about it there are exceptions mm. brighton in the fa cup uh, in 1983 newcastle united against brighton at home trelford mills absolutely <laughs> robbed us of an opportunity to get through and I was a kid and I still remember this this incident as if it was yesterday and he failed to give penalties blatant penalties and you know that was something which robbed us of an opportunity to go through in a game Newcastle fans felt they should have won um, and that's you know that 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 there's an exception and, and whenever we talk about referees and I've done it again today we always end up bringing up Trelford Mills I'll give you another one, um, Uriah Rennie. Uriah Rennie made himself infamous by sending off Alan Shearer. Um, mm. But then I guess for other clubs, Northeast referee Peter Willis, he became infamous, I would imagine, amongst Man United fans. He became the first person to send off a, a player in the FA Cup final. Kevin Moran got a red card in 85. Yeah. So, you know, it does happen. It, it does happen where certain referees are pulled out but I I personally think as long as it's not a as not as long as it's not perceived as a vendetta by football supporters ultimately referees are are forgiven a bit quicker than than players are Dave you Dave. said here here um no I totally disagree with Steve because you'll I never you you'll never you'll never see 30,000 40,000 black and whites singing at Kieran Trippier you're not fit to wear a shirt uh, but you will see the same amount if a couple of decisions in a game go against Newcastle singing, you're not fit to referee. So I think when you look at it from a um, an error-by-error error basis in a football match, um, players are forgiven. Teammate, teammates collect, and fans... Collectively, we did sing, we are... 
Um, I can't use the word, um, but it's another word for fishies. Um, and we know we are. We've sang that to the whole team under Mike Ashley. Yeah, yeah, under the whole team. Yeah, I mean, this is not... We're talking about mistakes in a game. Yeah. You know, players players will have arms wrapped around them and, and pats on the back and come on, you know, it's you're only human. Referees make... If referees make the same amount of mistakes as a player, they're absolutely vilified. You know, the crowd are singing, you're not fit to referee. It's almost a situation, and I've experienced it so many times. Players are fallible because they're human beings, and everybody knows a player will make an error, make a mistake. Referees are not allowed to make a mistake, and that's the difference to me. I, I, I get where you're coming from over, you know, over the course of a few days, refereeing incidents are quickly forgotten. Of course they are, and they're put to bed. And players, you know, oh, he's going through a bad run. Oh, he's going through a bad run. So it might it might carry on to the next game and the next game. That's because he is your player. And you want your team to win. And you're hoping that the mistakes of the previous game, two games, three games, month, whatever it is, don't carry into the next game. I get that. So I get that side of your argument. But I'm, I'm focused purely on a match-by-match basis. Within a single match, it seems to be the case that, yeah... Players we know will make mistakes because they're because they're human beings. Referees make mistakes. They're absolutely vilified and they shouldn't be making these mistakes. And because of these mistakes, we brought VAR in. So they should not be making any mistakes in a game whatsoever, even though it's ruined, ruined the game. But I've just moved on to a different subject. Um, I just think there, there is a them and us. I've experienced a them and us. You know, I've had... I've had players come to me and say, oh, thank God you're reffing, because the guy last week was crap. Um, you know, it's uh, it depends on the referee. It depends on what happens in a game. You know, I, I refereed, when I was coming through the ranks, I refereed South Shields uh, when they were in the Wearside League, and I was coming through uh, from the Wearside League. I was then jumping into the Unibond League, and that last year before I was promoted and went into the Unibond League, you know, I refereed South Shields... Um, was it in a cup game that season? And the manager at the time's like, come back to the club, I'm going to buy you a beer. You're the, I'm mm-hmm. going to introduce you to the guys. You're the best referee we've ever had. And, and that <laughs> happened. You go back and there is a bit of hospitality laid on, you know, with a bit of food and, and, and the manager's walking me around people from the club going, this guy's brilliant, what a referee, he talks to players. I got them in the league, sent off two players. They lost a game at Burtley uh, and the guy walked out of the pitch and threw a punch at me. Never. You know, there, there's your there's your difference. Um, yeah. In in you know, you'll never see that you'll never see that in uh, in respect of a player on a field. I mean, the argument here as well that someone's put up as well is that the, uh, that referees get a second chance through VAR now no. as well, where Kieran Trippier doesn't get a second chance to retake the penalty. I mean, I don't think that's a fair argument. But well, I'll tell you, I well, I'll tell you what I said I said on a UFC Matters last night. And they, they, as you first mentioned, Ted, uh, he mentioned in the WhatsApp group how many times yeah. he mentioned in <laughs> UFC Matters. It's all about the We'll count it, Ted. We'll count it. Yeah. Um, but I mentioned that, you know, the game that Newcastle played against Chelsea the other night. And this is an interesting one for you, Dave. I think um, uh, Gillette... The best a man can get as a referee, uh, yes. but of course, uh, not the other night. Um, he, he he is now so <laughs> reliant. He's now so reliant on VAR um, that the Casado decision in the game um, was was wrong. I think watching that back, Casado should have been sent off. How I about think, Bruno? You, Bruno's I challenge think, later on. 
what about Mudrick putting his hand round um, Bruno's neck? Mm. So there's three contentious issues, right? You've picked one out, I've picked two out, that Gillette really should have acted upon on that pitch. But because there's no VAR, um, nothing, nothing, was, nothing was done about any of those events on the pitch. So for me personally, Gillette's now too reliant on VAR and he's become, he's become less of a referee than he was before VAR came in because he's more reliant on the technology. So now he's, he's standing waiting for something to happen Obviously, in the cup games, it doesn't, which makes it a farce because, you know, really the technology, if you're going to bring it in, should be in for our game full stop. It shouldn't be in for uh, one competition, but not in for a next. So then people will say, well, you can't finance it in the lower divisions. But, well, that's not, you know, that's not really what you should be doing then. You shouldn't be bringing something in that's not going to flow for the whole division. I mean, especially a championship team like Middlesbrough, who've now got um, a game against Chelsea, two-leg game against Chelsea. You might benefit from this because obviously you don't have VAR. Next season you might have VAR, but I just think the referees are now going to be, because we're talking about referees here, I, I think the referees are hampered with with this uh, this rule and I think, I think referees are, are, are less... Well, they're less capable of doing the job when it comes to the cup game because they're, they're reliant on the technology. Do you know what? That's my view. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a decent view, but you know, I could be a million percent wrong here because yeah. I can only go by if I was still refing in the professional yeah. game, what yeah. would I do? That's that's the only view I can give you. Do you know, I would be massively embarrassed just to get called over to the screen. Because there's a suggestion I got a get, I, I got a decision wrong, and then I would be even more embarrassed if I watched the VAR screen and had to change my on-field decision. I would feel as though I'd I'd, ma I'd made a, a huge cock-up. I really would, uh, and that's in front of forty thousand people in the stands. That's in front of however many hundreds of thousand people might be watching the game in the UK, and however many millions of people that are watching it around the world. I would be embarrassed to have to rely on VAR to change one of my decisions because it would it would absolutely stamp all over me one hundred percent. I got it wrong. Mm. So yeah, I can't I, I can't I can't see, and this is only me speaking. I can't see an argument that a referee would rely on VAR because it's there it's there to reveal to all my shortcomings well maybe realize the wrong word but the, the, it's just that they expect it you know in, in uh, you know it's a contentious decision and it might just be a subliminal decision from him um you know oh well I'll wait till the VAR that's that's a bit too that's a bit too, you know I didn't see that um I'll let that go and hopefully the technology will pick up on it we make mistakes the referees make mistakes we're human beings. We're almost like footballers, guys, but we don't get the nice, cosy arm wrapped around our shoulders when we make mistakes. We get berated by players on the field. We get abuse from the stands. We get managers screaming with red faces at us, everything. We get, you know, at the higher levels, you get the media um, really having a go at you. And uh, as my mate Anthony Taylor discovered in Europe, you know, you get fans at airports throwing chairs at you. Um, but referees make mistakes and I'm not saying that you know we don't so don't get me wrong here um, so is it right for the game that they're corrected by VAR uh, some will argue yes some will argue no it's spoiling the game and uh, they'd prefer the referees mistakes but I don't I don't see any referee 
going out there to deliberately make a mistake, to deliberately make the wrong decision because he doesn't like a player, a team, a, a club or whatever. Um, I just think it's part of the game. So, But again, I just go back to if it was me, I would be hugely embarrassed if um, VAR had to be called on a regular basis to correct the decisions I'd, been made on, I'd, I'd made on the field. It would just be like, it would be like that player that underperforms every game. That's how I'd feel. Mm, it's just interesting I just thought it was a good it was just support to my eye because it made me stop and think uh, and obviously I put it in the in the chat and I didn't mean to take over or anything like that I just wanted to get both sides of the thoughts because it was obviously involving Kieran Trippier and the mistake that he made but obviously you know and then refs was you know the ref support came out and said you know I agree well, with them. You know, why does it yeah. 100% and then but yeah but there is obviously a flip side of that that you know the player doesn't you know that maybe the, the the refs are I don't know. You know the refs have VAR and other referees there. They can look after them when they have made a mistake where players are left out in the cold. So I don't know. It's a, it's a good a good flip of the coin there. But, well, it uh, isn't. Yeah, it isn't. Anyway. I mean, Kieran Trippier makes a mistake. He's got a goalkeeper at least behind him to try and help him out. It's the goalkeepers true. I feel sorry for. They make a mistake. There's just a gaping empty net behind them. You know, yeah, striker true, makes true. a mistake. Nobody sees. Oh, he's missed again. But, but he's got 11 players, sorry, 10 players standing behind him to support him. Or if he loses possession, you know, you've still got that chance of, of making up for the error. So I don't buy into it 100%, but I know where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. What was your views on Trippier then, Dave? Because obviously we didn't have you on yesterday. I mean, look, I mean, you know, players go through bad runs of form. Um, wow, yeah. But, but, for, but for me personally, I mean, you know, you know Kieran Trippier... Is is probably one of the best signings that I see mm. Newcastle United. Um, you know, since I started supporting the club as a kid in 1983-84, um, he's certainly the best right back I've seen at the club. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's probably just as influential as a player coming in as Kevin Keegan was, and as and as and as Alan Shearer because of the fact that he came in at a time when the club was at a, a low ebb and. You know he was a he's a superstar, mm. um, an England international, and somebody who is who's played at the highest level. So for him to take a drop in wages and to come to Newcastle when they were bottom of the Premier League um, says a hell of a lot about the guy. Um, but also, you know, look at look at the difference he has made on and off the pitch. I mean, you know, I look at those days when he was injured and he was on crutches in that first season and he's standing on the sidelines, you know, pointing with his crutches and telling the back four what to do. I mean, you know, he was leading from example on and off the pitch. Um, now, yeah, look, he's had a couple of bad games. Um, the Chelsea the Chelsea situation was 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 awful because, you know, with, with two minutes to go, yep. Newcastle are cruising into the semi-finals of the, the you know, the to play Middlesbrough. Cup for the second, yep. the, second, the, second, the second year in a row to play the Borough. And, and then, you know, a mistake leads to the equaliser and then he steps up to take the penalty and has his, you know, has his moment and... Unfortunately, he misses, and and you know, I must have felt like the whole world had collapsed in around him. So, with the exception of a minority, the majority of Newcastle fans threw their arm around him yesterday via social media, and I saw some wonderful posts by lots of fans from all over the world, giving him you know giving him a bit of love and giving him a bit of support because it's quite clear that he needs it. You know the you know the Ooh, yeah. it's just unfortunate from his point of view that. The goals that we've conceded when he's been on the pitch have, you know, they've been in and around his area, and it's just, it's just one of those things. But I think back, uh, you know, less than a, less than a month ago, to Newcastle beating Chelsea, Manchester United, and getting a creditable draw in uh, PSG, and Trippier was outstanding then. So, 
I've, I've seen a couple of articles, you know, written about Kieran Trippier where people are saying it's burnout, it's, you know, it's too many games, it's, um, you know, for, for a man of his age and he's not, had a, he's not had a rest for two years and he needs to have a rest now. But, you know, I, I'm not sure whether that's the case. And I've also, seen, I've also, you know, listened to people alluding to the fact that it could be something in his personal life. The reason that people are suggesting that, of course, is because when he was sent home from England, it was mentioned by the club and by England that he, you know, he'd returned home for personal reasons. Now, you know, it's not for us to speculate on what those personal reasons are, but if there are personal issues, then, you know, then maybe he does need a bit of time out. And I, you know, Eddie Howe did say it was an interesting comment in his press conference last week, where he where he was asked about Kieran Trippier's availability after his suspension at the weekend, and he said um, he's available. But we're going to have a talk to him to see where he to see where he's at. And I was thinking, yeah, that 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 alludes to being, you know, maybe something else going on. Maybe there is something else <laughs> going on. So, for me personally, he needs to have he needs to have maybe a little bit of time out. We've got players available, you know. That's what I was going to ask. Do you, do you think that he would have had time out if you had have, have had the injury crisis that you have had? Do you think they would have given him more time off? If, if you had have had a full squad to select from? We're not struggling that position, though. You know, we're not struggling with full-backs. We're not struggling with uh, defenders, really. I mean, yeah, the centre-half position, we've, you know, we've, lost, we've gained Botman back, we've lost Cher. But, you know, we're not struggling for full-backs. We've got Kraft's comeback from, from injury. You know, we're, the only full-back we're missing at the moment is Manquillo. Dummett's available. Uh, Livermento's available. Uh, Lewis Hall, and we'll come on to him in a minute, is, is available. So, you know, for me... Um, there's there's ample opportunity to rest Kieran Trippier, um, but I guess as well some of it maybe comes down to the fact that you know if he is having a chat with him and he's he's saying you know are you how are you feeling are you okay? I, I don't know a footballer that's going to say oh no I, I, you know I, I don't really want to play. There's obviously a few who have in the past. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, a player's going to say I'm fine, Gaffer. I yeah, want to play. Exactly. Um, but the mind, the, if, if, if you know if it is something on his mind or if there is some issues, then you know maybe it's it's up to it's up to Eddie Howe now to do do what's right for the player and maybe to yeah, protect yeah. him for a couple even just for a couple of weeks you know give him give him a bit of a break and just say look you know you take as much time as you need kidder you know you 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 don't owe us anything you get yourself into that um you know get yourself get yourself sorted and come back you know come back as we all know but it's such a hard yeah. position isn't it as you say the injuries the injury list maybe has has played its part dave mm. um look i've got to agree with everything that you said at the beginning of that with trippier i think he, even in such a short period of time he's he's become a bit of a legend doesn't he he's he, he's an absolute master um uh, and servant from the club giving giving his absolute everything i mean coming from uh, spain like he did just when it would have been so easy to say no wouldn't it when you're looking at a team yeah. who's struggling but he saw he saw the potential and the vision and he's given his all absolutely given his all and i think he's a quality footballer what's happened recently is not Reflective of Kieran Trippier's skill set, of his commitment, um, and of his attitude towards. Even more so, he's still there and he's still pulling the shirt on, going through a rough spell when it would be so easy for somebody to hide, and and, and not want to do it. Um, what's happened to him? I don't know. It's so out of character in terms of his how he performs on the field. I, I, 
You're talking the suggestions about something personally uh, going on or something going on in his personal life, and that could well be behind what we're seeing. It was unlike Trippier at Bournemouth to go across and engage with that fan. And it's interesting that that seemed to be the point at which these errors were coming in. Maybe these lapses in concentration were coming into his game that we hadn't seen before. Um, you know, I was one of those who was thinking, was it that incident that's now led to his... his I, I won't say his drop in, 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 in performance level because he, he's mm. playing well. It's just these lapses, you know, these decision the the decision making in these in these instances and and yeah look son turned him inside out but son's a great player um when 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 you're at at spurs um maybe maybe if if there is if there is some some truth some substance behind these rumors about the personal life and and maybe that's what flicked the switch at bournemouth and it's carried into the ne- the next few games um i don't know i'm i'm not close enough to them obviously to know but I just think there is something not right. But Trippier is going to come through this, and he's going to come back the same Kieran mm-hmm. Trippier as as he was yeah. pre Bournemouth, because he's too good a player not to. It's not as yeah. if he's it's not as if he's a, a mediocre player who's had a really decent run run for once, and it's going to come to an end. He's completely the opposite. He's a world class player. He's had a bad he's had a bad run, and he'll come back through it. It's more yeah, the yeah, England yeah. sending home thing, I think. There's something there. I, I, I don't read into anything, I think, obviously. But it all sort of stemmed from that, I think. And obviously, there was a moment before that where he had the fan interaction where he was obviously frustrated, but everyone was. But um, maybe maybe the incident had happened just then, but then obviously, you know, he went off to England duty and had to come home. And there's something there's something there, definitely. But, uh, you know, it's not for us to, to speculate nor bother him no. with. You know, he just... I just need, you know, hope that he gets the time. Uh, to, to go and figure it out because we all have stuff that happens don't we you know family and yeah. personal life and, and everything you know there's always something going on do you know what I mean even us three on the radio being buffoons we've all got our own lives outside of this and stuff Speak like that yourself. we deal with it so yeah <laughs> I find I find the Lewis Hall thing really strange um, I mean you know yeah, Lewis that's, Hall, a, that's a weird one I watched I, obviously I didn't go to the game the other night but I watched he it on him. Uh, I watched it on Sky and uh, I don't think he hates him but it was interesting to hear him he was in, he was asked about Lewis Hall I mean I made a big thing about it on my headlines you know he'd been he'd been given permission to play against his parent club which was strange and you know you, you would imagine that Chelsea would be looking to gain as much advantage you know from from anything you know going into a cup game and knowing how in, in you know injuries are uh, are affecting Newcastle season you know to turn around and say well you can't play Lewis Hall would have been I would have thought the natural thing to do for Chelsea because it's a disadvantage for, for your opposition but they didn't they allowed him to, to, to play Eddie Howe was asked about it at the start of the game uh, about Lewis Hall being available and that being a bonus and he went yeah I can't wait to see him I can't wait to see him um, you know he's uh, you know on the pitch and, and, and you know how he affects the game well of course he didn't get on and I know that I know that games can change, and you know your plan can change, and you can use a bit of kidology. You're not going to give you, you're not going to show all your cards, are you in a card game? So I, I just found it strange because the guy, the guy played in Manchester United away. He was superb. He scored a wonderful goal, put a good performance mm. in. One of the man of the matches that night, no doubt about it. But he's not really featured since. 
and I don't know what is going on with, with Lewis Hall. Um, the, the only thing that you can suggest with Lewis Hall is that there has been one mention of him by Eddie in a press conference where he mentioned along the lines of not being at the, you know, not, you know, he obviously wants him to defend and he's not at that level yet. Um, he's not, he's not, he's not at the level that he expects for that. So I'm wondering whether there is a clause in the contract. And again, this is speculation on my behalf, but I'm wondering whether there's a clause in the contract. Uh, contract, and that's the reason he's not getting the game time because maybe, maybe the goalposts have changed now, and maybe Newcastle mm. are looking at other options. Maybe that's the case because, for me, really, I thought that game the other night was crying out for his introduction, and I would have, I would have put him on. I, I, I would have brought him on, and subsequently, you know, we didn't, and. It's disappointing for him, I guess, but very disappointing for us. And I, I don't see how he's going to remain as a as a Newcastle player. And lots of people are saying, "Yeah, but he's only as young as Lewis Miley." Well, he's not. He's twenty. Um, you know, he's, mm. he's 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 twenty year old. He's the same age as Tino Livermento. And look at what he's done since he came into the team. Yeah. Um, so if it's good enough, if he's you know if Livermento is old enough, I I would say Hall's old enough, but. I don't know what what what's your take. It's a strange one as a, as a neutral. What what's your what's your views on that, right? Yeah, it's interesting to see. Obviously, obviously there's a thirty four million dollar obligation to, for Newcastle to buy. Uh, obviously, they wanted to buy him in the in in you know the summer, but couldn't obviously get the funding there. Obviously, Tenali and everything coming in, so they took him on loan with that obligation to buy. Now, it's a good point you may bring up with the, with the contract. Maybe there is a certain trigger. I don't know if he plays, you know, say if they, he, he starts 10 games or, or comes on for a certain amount of appearances, then they have to buy him. And maybe Newcastle is sort of backing away from that. Maybe they've identified someone else or something like that. Or, you know, he hasn't really bought into what Eddie Howe and that are doing. You, you, I, you know, who knows? But it, it, is a, it is a weird one because I think you're absolutely right. He, he was given permission to play. So they've obviously sought that. You know, Newcastle have gone, you know, the extra lengths and said, Chelsea, hey, we got Lewis Hall. Can we, you know, can we get him to play? And they've said yes. And they're not used him, so it's it's yeah. There's 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 something there, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it. And obviously, you know, the inner workings of the club would know that as well. But you're absolutely right. I didn't consider that, and I think you're absolutely right with some sort of contract obligation there, where maybe if he does do certain amount of things or games or minutes or whatever it is, there is a trigger where it makes Newcastle sort of like having to buy and maybe Newcastle aren't quite there yet. So, and maybe they're identifying 34 million to spend elsewhere. Now, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's a different ballpark for Newcastle, isn't it? Since the Tenali situation. I mean, that Tenali situation's now probably, you know, changed their their, their attitude towards tra- transfers and stuff like that. Maybe they feel they need a midfielder and there's $34 million that they were committed to spending on Hall that could go to another midfielder now. So, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know, Dave, what do you reckon? Yeah, um, I'll take him on loan. Oh, I'd, we could do I'd, I'd, yeah, we'll give him his game, and uh, we'll guarantee him his place on the side. Um, yeah, it's uh, we could it's, do with the back. It's 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 a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I'd, I'd love to see the details of uh, of of the deal because uh, loan deals are just so um, so complex this day and age. You know, I, I remember go back go back fifteen years, and it was like we'll have this player on loan at the end of the season. Thank you very much. Now, yeah, exactly, there's yeah. options to buy. There's commitments. There's 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 a uh, minimum there. number of games to, to be played. There's, I mean, just look at Calvin Phillips. We're not talking loans here, but Calvin Phillips coming out saying, you know, I'll go to Newcastle or who's the other one that's interested in them? I can't remember. Juve. Juve, yeah, yeah as long as I'm guaranteed yeah. my game. I mean, which player in their own right minds can can come out and state that? I mean, if you're crap, you yeah, don't get picked. Exactly. If you're great.
great. If you're a world beater and you perform, you'll get your game. So it, it's really, really complex now. I've, I've, I have been involved in moving a few players around. I have been involved in players' contracts, and they can be so... They can be so complex, but um, he's a great player. Um, will he stay at the end of the year? I suppose it depends what what comes in January, fellas. I mean, Eddie might be looking at this season now thinking, actually, we're a bit different now than when I expected uh, or how I expected yeah, us exactly. to be in the summer. So even 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 Eddie could change his mind on this one if, if he's allowed to. Yeah. I mean, you know, if that loan deal comes not with an option to buy but a commitment to buy, like some of them do, then you might find yourselves uh, having to dig deep. He keeps yeah, asking, he keeps getting asked about transfer window, you know, January, and uh, I mean, tongue in cheek, you know, he said, uh, well, but you know, he says, I think it was the journalist, I think it was Jordan Cronin from Newcastle World that asked him the uh, the question, you know, you said that you, you know, as, as it got closer to January, you would have a clearer idea of what you were looking for, and uh, he says, yeah, he says, I meant, he says. I meant December the thirty first, uh, you know, and I mean, it got a laugh in the press conference, but but ultimately, I guess. Because of the change in the change in face of our squad availability, it, it's probably that kind of case. But you would imagine Newcastle have done their homework and already know, you know, who they want to try and target in the uh, in the January window. Uh, they'll probably be planning the summer window now, but you know they will know where their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, the problem is they can't just go out because of financial fair play and, and spend a fortune on 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 players in January to fix the problem. They've also got to bear in mind that they've got players coming back, so you know these players won't be injured forever. And you know the likes of Joe Willock, Harvey Barnes, uh, etc., will be back. Tonali will be back in in August next year. Uh, um, so you know they've got to bear that in mind when they're making these transfer moves. I expect a couple of loans for Newcastle. I really do in the in in the January window. I can see them bringing in. I can see them bringing in one one or two loan deals until the end of the season. But um, yeah, the Lewis Hall thing. It's 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 enigma. It's it's a strange one. I don't understand it. Um, but like we, we always we say, financial you know, fair play thing. Yeah, yeah, I think well, yeah, but that was the reason we didn't sign him permanently because yeah. you know yeah, exactly, they wanted yeah. to do this. You know, Ch- Chelsea wanted this staggered, staggered loan, didn't they? Which which mm. helps them. It was a favour to Chelsea, really, um, as opposed to being a favour to Newcastle. So, you know, ultimately for us, you know, I, I don't know. It's a bit of a it is a bit of a head scratcher. But Eddie works with the players on a day to day basis, so he knows what he wants. And he knows what the players give. I've seen speculation suggesting that it wasn't a player that Eddie Howe wanted. Again, that's you know that that that's uh, that's doing the media rounds that uh, and, and social media rounds. A lot of people feel that potentially it could have been a sign. In so is Jose coming in? So Eddie won't be there in January. You know, it's what what do you, what do you want to take from social media? Well, that's it exactly. We've had all of that yesterday, didn't we? Eddie Howe's been sacked, etc. You know, these people who sit have got nothing else to do than create rubbish and stick it on the internet. Is it, it's bizarre, but but yeah, I mean, I, the Dan Ashworth story is running and running. We talked about it earlier in the week. You know, I'd, he's you know he came out, did an interview, and said, "I'm not leaving Newcastle. I'm happy. I'm like Eddie Howe. I'm happy where I am. I don't want to. You know, I I I don't want to." To, to leave at this moment in time yet the link with Manchester United is being pushed and pushed and pushed and it's simply just a rehashed story every time you you click on a link now that's to do with, with Dan Ashworth there's nothing new there there's yeah. not a new story there it's the same story just rewritten in a different way a different fashion um, but it's still the same story that Dan Ashworth is uh, on the top of a particular list 
if the takeover at Manchester United goes through with Sir Jim Ratcliffe it's as simple as that but uh, that's stories for you but uh, we're at the top of the hour Dave we are and just before we go into the news we've got a couple of messages on what we've been talking about uh, Daniil's been back on uh, Trippier is human we all go through ups and downs especially in our personal lives Trips was there for us when we were in trouble as NUFC fans we need to be there for him so that's uh, that's yeah, Daniel's yeah. message, uh, and a couple mm-hmm. winging in from all different parts of the world. There's a message here from mm. Tedinho from Brazil. Yeah. Um, wow! Yep. Refs take more abuse not. than any player, yeah. and for a fraction of the financial uh, recompense, refs deserve a bigger voice in the game and more respect for an increasingly more difficult job. Quickly followed on yep. by uh, a message from Tedovsky uh, from yep. Russia. <laughs> I see, you can see where we're going here. Another good list. Yeah, yeah. Steve is wrong, and I hope yeah, the Mackhams oh. destroy the Geordies FA Cup dreams, comrade. Hey, oh, that's a bit. Oh. That's, that's a bit. That's a bit personal. Hey? What's he, what's he put? Com- he's put comrade at the end. Is he watching some kind of spy film or something? Well, the Northeast Brecky show all the way into Brazil and Russia. Jeez, some two big points there, though. I tell you. Indeed. You're angering the fans. Ah, indeed, especially uh, Tedinho and Tedovsky. I spot <laughs> yeah, I spot a little rat there. I spot... No, I'm not calling you a rat, Ted. I'm just, you know what I'm saying. Uh, it is news time. Steve's dead right. We'll be back with the Northeast Breakfast after this. Thank God it's Christmas. Um, thank God it is Christmas, and I'd like to say thanks to uh, Cy... Ryan, Steve, because these cookies are tremendous. Oh, well, we couldn't even. <laughs> we couldn't even. Yeah, you didn't even leave us with a Christmas song. We couldn't hear a thing. We're we just talking even... to ourselves. No. Ah, <laughs> oh, listen to him. Sorry, fellas. I was so attracted by the cookies. I forgot this to press the button. So you can, oh no! I've just uh, spat cookie all over the microphone. This is not uh, on. No. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves while I clean my microphone. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, getting back to the Carabao Cup, did you hear? Um, did you hear uh, what you call him, Jurgen Klopp's interview last night? Mm, I did. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not in the right shape, give your ticket to somebody else for the Arsenal game. That's what he said <laughs> at his after-match press conference. So Gary Neville described the uh, he described the Anfield atmosphere last night as the worst that he'd ever experienced. Um, but this was for the Liverpool Man U game, if you remember. And but he's, yeah. he's not happy. He's, he's not happy. He's not happy, and he was unhappy with the, the atmosphere in the Carabao Cup win. What I mean, is he right to come out and have a pop at the supporters? Do you think is that going to get Sounds the supporters? Sounds like a Newcastle owner, mate. Sounds like a Crazy. Newcastle owner, doesn't he? <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting to hear that he obviously just wants you know. I think he's trying to obviously you know pump him up a little bit for the game. He wants Anfield to be rocking that. You know, and you you know what a what packed stadium, especially at Anfield, can be like. It's almost like the twelfth man, if not the twelfth man, that'll get him over the line. You know, this game is really crucial. Both played seventeen, one you know Arsenal thirty nine, Liverpool thirty eight. So they lose this, and then Arsenal, you know, can take a little bit of a four four point gap sort of thing. So they really need to, you know, get one over Arsenal. And it's the best chance to do that. So I think he's just pumping it up. I think he's obviously just you know taking care of it, uh, you know, for the for the fans. But it's. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever right for a footballer, if someone within a club, to, to criticise the fans in, in, in what, how they should perform or how they should cheer or anything like that. We said it last time when Newcastle owners came out and criticised the fans. Now, every fan has the right who's paid a ticket to go there and cheer however they want, whether they want to sit there quietly, whether they want to, want to you know, read a book, whatever it is, you know, it, it's their right to go and support their club however they want. To boo? Now, it, it, well, I mean, you can boo. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. Boo. 
I have to say it's a long ago that I said this but I thought the first half a little bit when the boys played really exceptional I was not overly happy. I have to say with the atmosphere behind me said Klopp I don't know I don't ask people what do we want we changed a lot of things we dominated West Ham like crazy we missed chances and I mean if I would be in the stand I would be on my toes 1000%. I don't know if the Man United game was that bad that we have to say, oh, sorry that we didn't smash them. We need Anfield on Saturday. Without Anfield, I would say, after they, meaning Arsenal, didn't play this week, just to make sure I know. Sorry they didn't play. They prepare for this game, and anyone who knows a little bit about them, they will be prepared. So we need Anfield on their toes from the first second, without me having an argument with the opposition coach. We need you from the first second. If you really want it, if it's too much football in December, I don't know. Sorry we have to play it as well, but if you are not in the right shape, give your ticket to somebody else. Mm. I'd like them to remain in the wrong shape right the way through to the uh, the cup final. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I mean, lovely. That would be Gary lovely. Neville had said that the atmosphere was the worst he'd seen at Anfield for a Liverpool Man United See, I didn't, at the weekend. I, I watched the game last night on TV and I didn't, I didn't pick that up. I, I thought the atmosphere sounded okay, but maybe it was just because there were so many goals flying in that... You know that counted what what you know the crowd was doing in between those moments of uh, of celebration. I don't know. I, I I didn't pick it up, but um, to be honest, I also had a laptop on my knee uh, and a bit of food because I only just got back back in from tr- tromping across the Cleden Moors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one. Atmospheres, I think, uh, are still poor because of all seater stadiums. I, I think it, it's all changed. You know, there's no way in the world that, you know, you can recapture the atmosphere that we had back in the 80s. You know, have you got safe standing at St James's yet? Have they have they introduced any safe standing areas? Yeah, has that has that improved the atmosphere at all? We have. Not really. It's the same. Um, I mean, it's home (laughs) home and away ends. Home and away ends have both got the same. This you know, they both got uh, the safe standing. I mean, it didn't increase the capacity either because no, it doesn't. Ultimately, they just did. No. They just did one for one. It can do. There is a particular. There is a particular safe standing um, areas it, which which increased it by two. You know, it was two places for one. But Newcastle went for the uh, Newcastle went for the one for one. So yeah, uh, you know, it's it's the same area. It's the same area that that everybody everybody was in. That, that sang in the in the strawberry corner. It's exactly the same. So yep, the same number of people. Those people. Those people. Those people wanted. Those people wanted to stand. So that's why they, that's why they altered that area. You know. I was involved in discussions at Middlesbrough a couple of years ago when I was part of the Borough Supporters Forum, and um, we're talking long and hard about safe standing. And um, he's not there anymore. But the chief operating officer, uh, Mark Ellis, who was who was at the club at the time, was explaining. You know, the explaining safe standing and, you know, it all depends on the rake of the stadium, the angle that the stadium is at, as it, you know, you travel down to the pitch and whether it can be safe. But he was very quick to point out that, you know, the, the cost of putting in a, a replacement seat at the Riverside is about 30 quid. The safe standing equivalent is about 130 quid. So he was just saying, you know, you will not get more people in because of the requirements of safe standing is each person must still have the same amount of space around them as they would if they were occupying a seat. So it's not as if you can get 1.5 people into a safe standing area per person in a seating area. So costs are going up 
And the only way that clubs can pass these costs on are through ticket prices. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. the dilemma. Because a lot of people automatically think safe standing will go back to the old terraces where you could cram loads of people in. There'll be more people can get in, so there'll be more money coming in. That'll pay for safe standing. No, it doesn't happen like that. It is, like you say, Steve, a one-for-one, because even with safe standing now, there is a required amount of space around a person, per person, for safety reasons. Yeah. Well, just on that, yeah. did you see Coventry? The social media was getting around with Coventry. Coventry have got safe standing there, but they jammed them in that tight in this new safe standing area that there's literally people standing on the stairs to get up to where they're, they're meant to be standing. Mm. And it's literally, you are shoulder to shoulder and it's like feeding mice into a like tight space. Uh, and Coventry have had lots and lots of safety concerns and, and complaints about their standing area because there's just too many people jam-packed into one little area where the point where you've got people sitting on other people's shoulders and, uh, and, and as I said, standing on the stairs that go down to, you know, to get out of the stadium and stuff like that. So there are some clubs that are doing safe, uh, doing standing, but they're not getting it right at all. So... Um, it, it's I mean, incredible I, to see when I, you. I get know, the benefits. Of, I know we weren't going to we weren't going to talk about safe standing, but I get the benefits of it because what are the alternatives? You, re, you you retain the all-seater stadium, but then you get you know a couple of thousand away fans standing in seated areas where people can fall over the seat in front of them and break legs and do all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's safe standing is safer than standing in seated areas. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, agree. yeah, it definitely is. Okay, um, 8.15, slightly late, but I think we should have some club headlines, Dave. Indeed we shall, and I'll reverse it this time. Here we go. Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Well, former Newcastle United goalkeeper Shea Given believes the Magpies should seriously consider signing David De Gea in the January transfer window. Newcastle are without first choice keeper Nick Pope after he sustained a shoulder injury earlier this month with Martin Dubravka deputising between the sticks. Former Manchester United keeper De Gea is available after leaving Old Trafford in the summer and given fields any Premier League side should be considering a move. It might have been a tough few weeks for Newcastle United defender Kieran Trippier but the England star has another trophy on his fireplace. Magpies right-back Trippier has seen off competition from the Premier League's elite to clinch the Fans Footballer of the Year award for 2023. In an open fans vote, he finished ahead of the likes of Erlen Haaland. Trippier came out on top after over 10,000 football fans from around the UK and beyond cast their vote, with a former Atletico Madrid man landing over 20% of the vote. Haaland and Jude Bellingham came second and third, and Mo Salah, he was the winner of the first two editions game for Mary Earps following behind and Newcastle have opened talks over a long-term deal for Starlet Lewis Miley he turns 18 later this season and Newcastle are keen to get his name on an extended contract because of his performances over the last few weeks and that's in Newcastle United headlines on Thursday morning Smoggies and Proud Borough News Good morning Borough fans Here we are the day after the Cup draw and Middlesbrough have been chosen to play Chelsea in the Carabao Cup semi-final after making the last four of the competition for the first time in 20 years Hey, Borough have reached the semi-final on Tuesday after we beat Port Vale 3-0 and 24 hours later we're drawn to play Mauricio Pochettino's side in the next round and obviously on the reverse on the other side of that is Liverpool and Fulham and they will contest the other semi-final hopefully the winner to face the borough if we can get past chelsea come on the semi-finals played over two legs home and away the first leg will be played at the riverside in the week commencing january 8th 
and the second leg will be played at Stamford Bridge in the week commencing January 22nd. The first leg comes in between games for the Borough of Aston Villa in the FA Cup and Millwall away in the Championship, while the second leg divides league games between Rotherham United and Birmingham City away. But for Chelsea, the first leg comes in between games against Preston North End in their FA Cup tie and Fulham in the Premier League. But due to the Premier League break, the Blues aren't scheduled to play again after Fulham on January 13 until the second leg. But if they make the FA Cup fourth round, then that game will be played on the weekend of January 27. So a little bit different there with Chelsea having a bit of a break, but Middlesbrough's fixtures list still saying thick and strong. The only issues obviously Middlesbrough have at the moment is the 14 first team players out, hoping by January 8th that we will have a few more players to select from. And obviously into January 22nd will be at the end of a January transfer window. So both teams, including Chelsea, might look a little bit different come then. Borough and Chelsea have met 117 times previously with Borough only winning 31 of those times. Well, Borough fans, it's time to make it 33. We're up for the fight into the Carabao Cup final. We come up the Borough. Those are your morning headlines. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Michael Beale has held his first press conference as Sunderland head coach and was honest in addressing some key areas of interest arising from his appointment. When asked about the team Tony Mowbray had assembled, he said that he have always enjoyed watching his teams play and will look to continue that. He was quick also to state that he has respect for him and his methods. Bail on Sunderland fans, he said, I think it will be transparent and honest. Relationships will be built over time. There's nothing I can say now to win them over. And on the Sunderland staff, Bale said that he has a chance to meet all of the staff and that the interim staff did a good job in keeping things going. And finally, he's been learning how each department works and really looking forward to the game against Coventry City. Sunderland starman Jack Clark leads the championship in an impressive stat so far this season. The 23-year-old is now on 10 goals in 22 championship appearances this season. He scored just the one goal in his last eight games though and made what's been a bit of a tough run of form for both him and Sunderland. But it's been an impressive year for Clark who leads the championship for dribbles completed this season. In just 22 league appearances in 2023-24, Clark has already completed a staggering 79 dribbles or 3.6 dribbles per game. The player with the second most amount of completed dribbles is Leeds United's Jorginho Rutter, who's completed 53 dribbles in 21 games or 2.5 dribbles per game. That on top of his 10 goals and 1 assist is made for a hugely impressive campaign for Clark, who will no doubt attract suitors once again in the January transfer window next month. And finally, according to reports from a variety of sources, the Black Cats have taken an interest in Kashiwa Raysol striker Mao Hosoya. Having come through the youth ranks with his club, the 21-year-old has spent his entire senior career so far with the club. In total, Hosoya has now scored 30 goals in 125 appearances across all competitions for Kashiwa Raysol, although 17 of those 30 are actually from this season. That's the kind of form that's already seen him gain plenty of international recognition, even so, with a contract at Kashiwa Raysol that is not set to expire until January 2027, this is a deal that will require some negotiation from Sunderland if they are indeed to pull it off. And that's your Thursday headlines. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North Steve, I've just got just been thinking there while I was listening yeah. through to the headlines. Um, something you mentioned in the first hour about, you know, the fact that Borough did pull Chelsea out in the draw um, almost rubs in further, uh, deepens the wounds 
for the, the for the Chelsea defeat. It's uh, is that the case? I mean, how much were Newcastle fans uh, looking forward to the possibility of a northeast derby in the semi? I think so. I mean, look, Newcastle were just hoping to get back to Wembley. Um, that that was that was the main focus, and uh, like. <laughs> We, you know, we, you know, we looked at it as a an opportunity to get back to where we were last year and have a bit of redemption. But, but unfortunately, it it hasn't happened. But yeah, I mean, it, obviously, your eyes were on the a potential draw against Middlesbrough because they were in the the quarterfinals as well. And you know, was that was that because it was it, they were considered being Championship side, maybe an easier game, or was that because of the oh, northeast me, rivalry? I can only speak for me. It was because it was the northeast rivalry. It would have been great for this show, and 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 it just had that feeling that you know we've just drawn. We're, we're, you know, it was a bit like that old saying that you know you wait you wait around for a bus and then three come at once. Well, you know you wait around for a northeast derby and then you know you know two come at once. Yeah, that, two it, had that, it had that kind of feeling to it. Um, you know, and from my perspective, I, I was I was really looking forward to potentially playing Borough, and especially in a two-legged game, it would have been it, it would have been exciting. But yeah, it just wasn't meant to be, was it? But that that was it. I, I don't I, I haven't seen mass amounts of people on social media saying that they were you know they were looking forward to playing Middlesbrough. But I, I just it was from a personal point of view, you know, especially with us doing the show, it would it would have been great for us to have uh, you know a two-legged a two-legged semi against uh, Borough to, to talk about, but. Mm. Wasn't meant to be. Sadly, Newcastle didn't keep their side of the deal, and uh, you know we uh, we just have to sit sit and wait now for the uh, for the Newcastle Sunderland game to come around. Um, just uh, Sunderland fans who are listening, obviously no Ted today and tomorrow because he's been responsible. He's stepping up to fill in the shoes of the boss. So um, obviously can't lower himself to be on this very program. So, but he is listening. So, Ted, good to have you with us. But uh, James Copley will be with us from the Sunland Echo very soon in about uh, what seven or eight minutes to give us his views on what's yep. happening around the Stadium of Lights. And fellas, I forgot to say earlier, um, if you want one, but uh, of course the answer can be no. Shut up, Dave. Uh, we do have a "You Are the Ref" if you fancy it. Oh mm. yes, well please. I think it's worth yes. doing it, mate. I think it's worth yeah. it. And we've got the Christmas yeah. joke to squeeze in, which yeah. I'm I'm more than happy to do now before we do. You are the ref. Christmas joke. Okay, let's go for the Christmas joke then. Okay, here we go. Who brings teeth gifts for Christmas? Who brings teeth? Who brings Christmas gifts teeth for Christmas. Christmas teeth. Go Easy. on. I don't know who. Go on. Who does it? Santa Floss. <laughs> Yes, the drum roll was there as well. Oh, there we go. Goodness. It's another oh, great no. Christmas cracker oh, joke no. for you, lads. Thank oh, goodness. Oh, no. I liked that one a few days no, ago. What was no, the one a few days no. ago about cutting the and basting? Yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah, good. You love that one. You love that no one. one's Copy beating that. That's yeah, it, no yeah. one's beating that. Copy and paste. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. you are the ref. You are the ref. <laughs> Here we go. Here we are. Here it is. Get a card in red! Referee, you're not watching the game, mate! You're watching me! How are these kids supposed to know the game if you don't know the game? Told you. Told you. Told you. Nobody gives us any love. Okay, then. So, Newcastle are playing Borough. Oh, yeah, yep. this was obviously written prior to the last couple of days. Newcastle are playing Borough at Wembley in the Carabao Cup final. It's 1-1 with just one minute to go. <laughs> Emmanuel Chai T. Latirlath just rounded Loris Karius. The Borough yep. striker loses his balance and stumbles. As he stumbles and falls to the floor, he manages to toe poke the ball towards an open goal. Having just been turned inside out by Latirlath, Fabian Shah's on his back behind Karius and has lost his boot. 
Seeing the ball roll slowly towards goal, he throws his boot, which manages to hit the ball, stopping it from crossing the line. Rye on his cup final watch along on the red screams, cheating Swiss cheese! But, but what does the ref do? Oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Wow. Ah, it's all ah. to do. It's all to do with Law 12, Section 4 of the Laws of the Game. Um, I mean, I mean, you're not, yeah, you, you can't you'd be sign allowed. up for the PDC darts tour, wouldn't you? If you can be that accurate with the boot throw. Oh yeah, not wrong. You yeah, cannot not be wrong. allowed to do that. You you cannot no, be allowed to do that. No. You can't you can't it, remove an item. That's got to be. Um, yeah. you, you can't be allowed to remove an item of clothing um, and, and 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 affect affect the. What would what would it be the direction of the ball? Mm. That's got to be it's got to be something along those lines. You're not you're not going to be allowed to do that. Mm. Um, remember, so that would be, remember a decision could be nothing wrong with it. Carry on, guys. That could be one of the decisions. I would say that's again. I, I, it's 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 throwing something onto the field of play or something like that. It, it could have damaged, especially in this day of health and safety. That that could that could have that could have hit the player. Um, and it could have, then you, then you've got then you've got another issue. So I would say I would say you can't do that. I would say that's a definite no. Okay. Right. Yeah. Look for me. I completely agree. I think it's like, I mean, throwing a shoe is is like a it's it's stop. It's a caution, isn't it? I mean, it's dangerous, right? So the the regardless if the if it's if it came from Fabian Shah or even the goalkeeper, I think that the it would be. Yeah, see, this is where I'd be confused. I'm not sure if it'd be a penalty because it's within the goal. It'd be a free kick or penalty kick, I reckon. But I don't think it'd be a, a foul. But I then think Fabian Shah would be sent off for, for the action of causing the penalty kick or free kick of throwing his boot. Because I just think that's the deemed, like, dangerous sort of thing. So, for me, in that instance, it'd be a penalty... Because it's within the goal technical area, and Fabian Shah gets sent. Oh. Yeah, I'd say it's a red card because it's for, for dangerous, uh, for a dangerous act. So that's what I'm going with. I'd say it's a penalty to the borough, and Fabian Shah sent off for a dangerous act of throwing his boot at the game. <laughs> well, no, I mean he he, tri he tripped, he tripped. He, he hasn't, he hasn't, he didn't. Shah didn't take him out. But he's, no, no, he's, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, I'm saying the, the act of him picking up his boot. Oh, I'm, I think it is because the act of him picking Why? up a boot and throwing it at the ball. He didn't hit. He didn't hit the player. But he hit the ball. He's 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 directly affected the game. I love this. I love this. Where, where did, you've got opposing views? Where did the ball throwing go? A, throwing a show would cause a stoppage. Would where it? did the ball? Where no did the what? ball go, Dave? The ball stopped dead on the line because the boot stopped it from rolling in. <laughs> I mean, he's denied an obvious score, goal-scoring opportunity by an All action right, okay. that should be a free kick. Is that not right? I mean, he should be sent off. I'm just waiting for you two That's guys to agree on something. No, I reckon Fashar should be sent off because he stopped an obvious goal-scoring opportunity with an action that would be a free kick no matter... You know, if he throws a boot, whether it's at a player or at the ball... That's an action that would be a free kick. Right, listen, that sounds no more... 
I haven't got I haven't got a solution to this, so I'm gonna because you 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 went with mine last time and I was right, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with that, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm coming down on your side, right? Uh, yes. So I, yeah, I reckon I reckon he's denied an obvious goal scoring opportunity with an action of by throwing his boot that results in a free kick or a penalty in this case because it's within the box. So he should one Shah should be fent sent off, and then because it's within the goal technical area, it's a penalty. The borough. Dave, final Fi answer. Locked final in. answer locked in. Yes. But lock me in. Okay. He's got it. He's yes. got it. He's got it. He's got it. Oh, I thought that applause lasted longer. Daz, change yes. your applause. Uh, we'll give him a longer one. Hang on. This maybe is a longer one. Um... Yes, spot on. So, first of all, the referee's got to decide, has there been an infringement? And yes, they have. Yes, there has, because under Law 12, a player, and, and I'm, I'm quoting here, if a player okay. who is on or off the field of play throws or kicks an object at the match ball, play is restarted with a direct free kick from the position where the object struck or yeah. would have struck the ball. A penalty kick is awarded if this is within the offender's penalty area. So that's the first it part. Is. Second part, red card. It's a sending off offence to Shah because he has denied a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity where the player commits an offence against an opponent within their own penalty area, which has denied an opponent an obvious goal-scoring opportunity and the referee awards a penalty kick. The offender is cautioned if... He was attempting to play the ball in a challenge, which he wasn't. In other circumstances, uh, for example, holding, pulling, pushing, where there's no possibility of playing the ball, etc., the offending player must be sent off. Right, you've made it 1-1. Congratulations, and give Steve. Me, give, uh, no, because I got wisdom. that first one. I got that first one, more or less, right? So no, you started with an indirect free kick on that first one. Yeah, but it's one and a half. One and a half, half. Yeah. You're definitely not. You're not one-one. If it's, that's the game you're playing, I'll come up with some real belters for you. There oh you no! Go. Oh god! Oh look, good it's, to know. Uh, good it's, to know. It's eight. Don't well well done, fellas. Well done. Pat's on the back all round. Uh, it's eight thirty, fellas. Right. We've just got to catch up with a bit of sports news, and then we'll catch up with uh, the goings on around Sunderland uh, because James Copley from the Sunderland Echo is going to join us. We'll be right back. Together across the northeast. The Timbercat and the Red. No, we're back. We're back. Northeast okay. Brecky Show. So we've got a guest coming in with us, uh, James Copley, um, to talk Sunderland because we haven't got Ted no. this morning. No, Ted mm, this morning. He's not been, much happening in Sunderland, though. He's been right. responsible. <laughs> hey, James, anything happening around been, Sunderland this James, week? James, must, be, must uh, be quiet for you at the moment, James. Yeah, all quiet on the Western Front for once. Makes a nice change. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, then let's get let's get down to the been? Beal. Yeah. Let's get down to the Beal. The, be the big Beal news. The Beal Ted's deal. Been, Ted hasn't been happy. Like he hasn't been happy at all. And uh, now he's obviously had to revert to the old. Well, he's our manager now. We've got to get behind the manager stance. But um, interesting, he had, he had his first press conference. We, we listened to we listened to that, and we've, we've discussed it this morning. What what's your thoughts on this Beal appointment? Um, I think. From a, a fan perspective, it's obviously been a little bit underwhelming for, for a lot of people, uh, given that he was sacked by Rangers. Obviously, he did well at QPR up until a point, rejected the Wolves' job. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, definitely underwhelming. I think what's happened is that Sunderland fans had it in their head that they were, they were getting a different type of coach, somebody who was bilingual, possibly somebody from France um, who was exciting. I think Michael Bale will be 
will be afforded a, a fair crack of the whip. Um, I think Sunderland fans are, are good like that. But it's it's like with any manager, isn't it? The proof's always going to be in the pudding. And, and if he wins games, all will be forgotten. But if he loses games, I do think he could be um, in trouble pretty quickly with the fans. I don't necessarily think that the club would would move to to change again so quickly. But <clears throat> it's been an interesting couple of months at Sunderland with the, the Tony Mowbray sacking. And Michael Beale has, has emphasised that he's more of a head coach. He said I was there at the press conference yesterday and both him and Speakman um, were at pains to mention that, you know, the manager doesn't drive the recruitment process. That's that's a department all on its own. And although the manager does have um, some input, you know, it's it's more of a, a sort of standalone um, office at the Academy of Light. I think Christian Speakman's exact words were that Sunderland would never sign a player without the manager sort of signing off on it or liking them. Um, so that was interesting as well but yeah all eyes to Coventry City on Saturday really because he, he could do with getting off with a, a good start and then it's busy Christmas fixtures and then of course that, that little old game against Newcastle on, on January the 6th so God knows how it's going to go um, you could be talking in a month's time and he could be a, a cult hero having having won five games and, and beating Newcastle in the in the FA Cup, or he could be, you know, widely hated for for getting hammered off Newcastle and, and losing three out of five. You just don't know how it's going to go, but strap in because I suspect one way or the other it'll be. A <laughs> that Newcastle game, I don't know whether I, I, I don't know whether it's it's a positive or a negative for him. Well, I, I've said this. I was like, you know, you you you're a head coach and and there's a little bit of noise around your position and then it's like oh well yeah first game of next year pretty much you've got a or the second game of next year you've got to face Newcastle United for the first time since 2016 you know <laughs> Newcastle cha- Champions League Newcastle fans <laughs> being for, for back and blood because they haven't they haven't won in nine and it's been about you know eight years or whatever it is and the water under the bridge and plus you're throwing at that the mix of Newcastle are going to have 6,000 at the stadium of light and all the hoo-ha that's caused among Sunderland fans and rightly so um, so there's a hell of a lot going on. You know, football is so important in the in the northeast that I think Sunderland have to put up a good showing against Newcastle. I'm, I'm not saying they have to win or draw. I wouldn't put that sort of pressure on them because at the end of the day, there's a, a division between the the two clubs and, and Newcastle are in the Champions League. But you know, it's a, it is a massive game, and I'm. He said he was excited about it. Obviously, he was he, he's going to he's going to say that, isn't he? But if that was me, I would be thinking could do without that. <laughs> and to be honest, to be honest, it's me, and I'm thinking I could I could do without that at the moment. You've been around. You've been around. It's an exciting game. Man. Sorry, go on, go on, Steve. It's an exciting, it's an exciting game. Everyone, everyone in the northeast is looking forward to it. And I mean, you know, from from my perspective, it's um, you know, it, it's just an opportunity to to, to to get that rivalry, you know, uh, stoked well, up again. It's, and it's it's, it's exciting. exciting. It's exciting for you, lot, with your fifty million pound players, and Premier League champions. League. It's really exciting for you, lot. <laughs> I, I can imagine you over the bloody moon to be playing. <laughs> yeah, it would have been would have been the same playing butter in the semi finals of the cup, wouldn't it? That would have been the. It would have been. Is this a yes man that's coming? Is it is Beale a yes man then? Because that was interesting hearing the owner say that you know about about the finances, about the transfers, and you know reiterating though that the you know the manager has the the, the final say you know with regards to a player you know whether he get you know whether he wants him whether he fancies him or not. But 
Is, is that is that the crux of the problem? Is that the reason that Mowbray Mowbray ended up leaving because perhaps Mowbray wasn't happy about the the situation with potential incomings in January? You could see the short failings in the squad, where they were going wrong, why they probably weren't you know you know as high up the table as he hoped and and maybe the owners hoped, and that's the reason that they changed managers. Do you know it's a really interesting question because I can remember when when Mowbray came in after Alex Neil for a period of time he was labelled a yes man. Um, he did toe mm. the line for, for quite a while. You know, when you are working under people, you do gen- generally have to have to toe the line and sort of speak the party line at times. Obviously, Mowbray sort of got away from that, but I think it is worth mentioning that a lot of fans labelled Tony Mowbray as a yes-man for, for a long time. Whether Tony Mowbray came in, he, he, said, he said a lot of times he came in with his eyes open, understanding what the football club was about. It was explained to him. Whether he thought, because he'd done so well, that he would then be rewarded with a little bit more input here and there. Um, maybe he deserved that, given his achievements and his age and his experience. But that didn't happen. He started to to sort of show grumblings in the press, and then he was dispatched, being three points off the playoffs with, you know, the statistics and the performances and the results not too bad, really. So, you know, it's a it's a bold it's a bold move to get rid of Mowbray, and it's a bold appointment to go and get. Michael Bale. I don't think he's a yes man. Does he probably fit what Sunderland want a little bit more in terms of the type of coach he wants to be? He just wants to be out on the on the training pitch, I think. Whereas is Mowbray more of a, an old school manager? I think probably yes. I think that's possibly a, a generational thing. You know, Michael Bale's worked at Chelsea, Liverpool, and and Sao Paulo. Um, he was Rangers assistant manager for a while, Villa's assistant manager for a while. So he's he's very much sort of more of a coach. Um, which is what Sunderland are sort of leaning towards. They have they have this, you know, they have a head coach for a reason and a sporting director for a reason and a head of recruitment for a reason. So they're all these little departments. So I don't know. I don't know if yes man's the the right phrase. I, I don't know if that's a little bit unfair, but I can understand why fans would use that. Why that would be said. Um, but I just think, you know, I think you do always have to have to toe the line and say the right things when when you have these jobs and I think that's the the nature of the beast like it or or lump it but yeah I think it's it's one of those again one of those things where if he beats Coventry and they, they get off to a good start they have a good run nobody's really talking about them being a yes man then it's it's you know you know the narrative will change instantly into you know what a, what a great appointment but we just we don't know that far ahead yet so I think it's for you know for, for me for watching this all unfold it's on a knife edge really because um, because results will ch- will change any any narrative because I can you know if someone win three out of three then no nobody will be saying he's a yes man um, so it's 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 interesting times. What is the focus from from the Sunderland Echoes perspective and your coverage perspective? Is it is it Bill going into his first game at the weekend or is it Sunderland playing Coventry? It's I, I would say it's been more Michael Bale to be honest and, and and what's happened. I think when a new manager comes in, obviously that was fueled by the. The press conference, we don't sit down and, and say, like, let's just concentrate on Michael Beale and not Coventry. Obviously, we, yeah. we do try and focus on Coventry. But as you'll know, being a journalist, Michael Beale was the story. Sunderland's new manager was the story. Obviously, Christian Speakman spoke alongside Michael Beale yesterday. So, obviously, that's driven a lot of our coverage because you don't often get to, to see or hear from uh, Christian Speakman directly. He, he communicates through club channels. Um, gives the occasional interview out to, to the local press but it's not something that happens regularly and mm. um, so first time with him is, is an opportunity to ask questions for the 
to the local press so I, I would say that's probably driven our coverage in the next couple of days but and, and, and to be fair, I think that's what fans want to, want to hear about. I think they want to hear about the new manager, the process, why Mowbray has been sacked, Christian Speakman, rather than, you know, how Coventry City are shaping up, which we, we will offer. Um, but I think, you know, the interest is, is what's gone on at the club in the, in the past couple of months, which understandably so as well. Cracking stuff. Yeah, I've got James, Ryan, got uh, Ryan is oh, on, right. I just go wanted on, to quickly ask you, mate. Uh, you, I was tuning into the live uh, press conference last night. I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, I felt like a little bit, a little bit was actually more Speakman's, uh, more Speakman's presser to be for him to sort of get back to the fans rather than Michael Beale. But it was interesting just hear Michael Beale sort of close that chapter on the Rangers and stuff like that. But one thing yeah. I took as as a Borough fan, just being a mutual, was the, the the fact that he wasn't quick to stamp out everything Mogger has done, and he sort of built on what Mogger had done to him saying, I remember him saying that he was just going to tweak it over so slightly and that you wouldn't see drastic changes to the team lineup and you wouldn't see drastic changes to the way they go about it. And Speakman obviously being asked, you know, are you in a better better position now than you were two weeks ago for a promotion? And he thought he believed so, which didn't, again, fill me with great confidence. Um, do you think that there was a sort of a precedent there set by Speakman and Beal to sort of, to, to not go away from what Mogga has done and just build on that? Or do you think it's just Beal being cautious because he knows the fans, he's got to win them over sort of thing? Yeah, well, just on just on the, the Speakman, but obviously uh, the, the quote that you mentioned there, he's he said that now, that's on the record. So he believes yeah. sitting next to Michael, sitting next to Michael Beal on the 20th of December that Sunderland are yep. more geared up for promotion now than they were. Yeah. So if, if it doesn't go that way, then obviously that's a problem. Um, yep. I think Michael Bill Michael Bill did the smart thing by um, paying tribute to Tony Mowbray. I think he, he genuinely meant it, um, to be honest. I'm not saying it was some sort of cynical move. Uh, I think it's twofold. I think, you know, a lot of fans respect Tony Mowbray. Uh, threefold, actually. A lot of fans respect Tony Mowbray. I think Michael Bill probably respects Tony Mowbray. And Sunderland's players definitely respected Tony Mowbray. So for Michael Bale to come in yeah. in his first press conference and say everything's rubbish, we're going to rip it all up, I think would have been a, a silly yeah. move. Um, I don't think he would have done that anyway. And actually, when you look at it, Sunderland in between in between both boxes are actually a, a pretty good side. Even defensively, they're a, they're a decent side. The, the problem lies when they get when they get to the opposition box, they just can't stick it in. And, and he referenced that um, and trying to get a striker scoring goals. So. Uh, I, I do actually just think it's common sense to be honest like as I mentioned Sunderland were only three points off the playoffs when, when Mowbray was sacked they're only sitting seventh now that suggests really that there isn't a great deal of work to do um, just need to get Sunderland a bit more functional perhaps in Michael Beale um, and in Mike Dodds as well who's been promoted to assistant head coach they've uh, sort of seen seen coaches that'll tinker things a little bit more um, and this isn't uh, a knock on Tony Mowbray at all but Tony Mowbray for me was very much you know 4-2-3-1 our best 11 we're going to play good football and we'll see who wins in terms of tactically tweaking he didn't really do that too much and again that's mm -hmm. not to denigrate Tony Mowbray because Sunderland played some of the best football I've seen as a Sunderland fan under Mowbray it was, it was magnificent at times Whereas Mike McBeal and Mike Dodds, especially Mike Dodds, we saw against Leeds United. I think Sunderland, they might sit up and go five at the back occasionally, um, which I think is, is something that will, will benefit Sunderland if it, if it goes right in the long term. Uh, so again, I'll, I'll say it's, it's, it's all very interesting. But, you know, a lot rides on this appointment um, in terms of the credibility of, of this ownership and the credibility of, 
of the sporting director because they're just starting to be some grumblings um, yeah. about the the culture at the club, about what the club's position is, what the club's purpose is. Um, Sunderland fans have been rightly fuming at the allocation given to Newcastle United fans. Oh, they're going yeah. to be in the Black Cats bar. Um, Sunderland fans are, are, are of the opinion that Sunderland have sort of just given you know, the best seats of the house to Newcastle fans and sort of sort of opened up the stadium to Sunderland. Now, mm. whether who's, whose fault that is, we do not know. Um, we weren't in the meetings. We don't know if it's, you know, Newcastle will have definitely been pushing that. We know that. How far could well, we were, we were only going to be offered 2,500 tickets. I mean, I, I did speak to the Supporters Trust and the Supporters Club who were involved in these meetings with people at Newcastle United. And Northumbria Police have played a huge part in this because Newcastle were offered 2,500 tickets by Sunderland at £50 a head. And mm. that was that was outlandish to charge Newcastle fans fifty pound to come to a, no, I, a, I an FA Cup game. So there was negotiation, and the negotiation was pushed by Newcastle fans. This is what we want. We we were pushing for the fifteen percent, which is more than six thousand tickets. So somebody somewhere at the football clubs have, have got their heads together and they've said, right, let's let's do what Swansea and Cardiff have done, um, and, and other teams. Let's have a bubble match. So our condition is that we have. All of Newcastle's fans travel down on buses from St James's Park um, in this bubble I match. That we, I think that's absolute, yeah. absolute madness. How so, many so we don't get seven, 70, 70 plus double deckers um, leaving from coming, St James's coming, Park. Coming, Coming into Sunderland roughly at around the same time for the same match, I just think that's bad for the for the safety of, of of Newcastle fans, for the safety of Sunderland fans. I think crazy that allocation, that allocation, whoever's fault it is. Um, I don't yeah. know if it's Sunderland's fault. I don't know what happened. I wasn't in the meetings. I think yeah. you know Northumbria police police maybe should have, have have pushed back, but to have that many fans coming to Sunderland, I think to have them in the Sunderland end as well, the the North Stand lower, you know, I think that's a recipe for for absolute disaster. And yeah. For, yeah. you know, for, for for the for the good of the game, for the safety of Newcastle fans, for the safety of Sunderland fans, for the enjoyment of of both sets of supporters as well, I just think it's it's absolute it's absolute madness. Um, you know, Newcastle are well within the rights to to push for as many tickets as they want and, and represent their fan base and their fan base's wants and needs. I think that's fine, but common sense should have prevailed. But to go back to my earlier point, this is feeding in now to a narrative that Sunderland, you know, are just sort of after the money. They're not willing to spend it and they're happy to to take as much as they get, even if it's from Newcastle fans. There was a uh, an anti-Newcastle ownership banner, which was designed by the Spirit of 73, which was um, allegedly approved by the club, then cancelled. Um, so there's all of this sort of noise going around the club. It's not ideal. Um, so this is the first time really that I can think of that, Real questions are starting to be asked of of Sunderland's ownership group, why they're here, what their aims are, and I think should Michael Beale fail to perform, those noises and questions grow louder. If there's trouble at the derby game, Sunderland get battered heavily. You know, it's a bit of a nightmare in terms of logistics, PR nightmare. I think, you know, <laughs> it could be a bit of a, a disaster in that sense. I hope I'm wrong. I hope everybody comes, has a great time is well behaved I hope it's pleased well I hope there's no issues with the bubble no issues with the coaches I think that's the best outcome for everybody but given how long it's been between fixtures I think relations between the clubs in terms of the fans are probably at the worst that it's it's been in my lifetime just given the political situation who owns Newcastle 
um, all of that sort of vitriol of the social media and everything. I just think for me, there's a lot of Newcastle fans doing. Do. There's a lot of Newcastle fans don't agree with the Saudi ownership. It's got to be said. We've had the discussion on here before. No, I no, mean, I, 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 think, I think I think social media. Putting, I think social social media makes things look worse, James, than sometimes. I'm it is. just putting. I, I'm just putting it in the context that I think relations yeah, yeah. between the two clubs are, are pretty poor at the moment in terms of the fans. Just given. Given the general political status, I'm not saying that. I don't every, get that though. Newcastle. I don't get that. I've got plenty Sunderland mates. I've got plenty mates who are Sunderland fans, and I, I and we're all looking forward to the game. And we, we you know, we're, we're all we're all level-headed guys. I think I think social yeah, media yeah, yeah. makes things look worse and worse than it is. I I I. I don't go on a social media as much as I used to and I think it gets stirred up on there it's easy to make a graphic it's easy to make a JPEG it's easy to make it's easy to harass somebody behind a, a, a faceless account but on the grand scheme of things uh, you know the, the, it's not a massive percentage of football fans are on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it it's that, that I think that misleads people I think the atmosphere will be great I think the atmosphere will be, oh, be great, and, and, and the volume will be great I think um, I think I, I would be the same position as you if, if, if Sunderland fans had come and took over a main a main area of Newcastle's ground, I wouldn't be happy. Um, and given a given a corporate lounge, but that's 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 a problem with your club. They they need to sort that out. You 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 as supporters, you're a journalist of course and a fan as well. But your supporters groups need to really get sat down with a club and say what is going on here. Like you has know? anybody um, has well, anybody uh, this, seen this, this happen? This, the thing, this is the thing actually is that well the Red and White Army the the main supporters group. Democratic organisation who sort of canvass opinion from all of the different sort of micro groups and, and all that. They weren't actually consulted on the process. So this is all. I mean, we're getting into a Sunderland politics here, but this yeah. is all feeding. This is all feeding this narrative that actually, you know, Sunderland as a club haven't consulted with the fans. Do they really care? What do they want? Is it? Is it? To be brutally honest, the question is among Sunderland fans: Is this a cash grab to make as much money um, off Newcastle as possible? Because obviously they wanted to charge fifty quid a ticket as. As just mentioned, and and now they've got everybody in. It's it's a tough situation. I don't think it's been handled well, um, and and that's not a knock on on Newcastle. They're they're entitled to push for as many tickets as they want. The rules state fifteen percent. Um, so absolutely. But in terms of in terms of Sunderland fans, I think it's it's hugely disappointing. Have you seen it happen anywhere else like this, where? You know, it appears, and we can only say what it appears like, because we weren't, as you rightly say, we weren't involved in any discussions, negotiations or anything, but it appears as though Sunderland really have rolled out the red carpet for Newcastle, whether it's for financial reasons or sporting reasons, I'll let you make that decision, but I don't remember this sort of scenario happening anywhere else in the country with any other rivalry. Uh, am I, think, I wrong? I think it's, yeah, pro- probably not. I mean, I, I remember Everton coming to... Sunderland for an FA Cup quarter-final replay, but that was when uh, away fans were housed in the South Stand, but they got an extra allocation. It's probably the best away end I've ever seen um, at the Stadium of Light. And it sort of went from corner to corner. There was about 8,000 or something, or 7,000. It, it was mad. And there was a bit of trouble after that game, I remember, but I don't remember there being much fume at the time, but this was 2011, mm. maybe. So there was a lot less social media. I think a big part of it is who it's against. Let's face it. Mm. I think you know, I think people would be annoyed if if Bradford fans were in were in in the northwest uh, in the north stand lower. But I've seen Carlisle come. I've seen Hartlepool come with with massive allocations. Obviously, that's a bit feisty as well. Not on the same level as Newcastle, um, but they've had an extended um, allocation in the top tiers but it hasn't displaced any season ticket holders in the the actual lower ball and I think that's what's really tough to take for Sunderland fans is that they're actually getting moved for 
in their eyes, and, and this is probably the wrong word, and you know, the, the enemy in their eyes. Let's let's, let's face yeah, it. Yeah. You know, so Sunderland and Newcastle are rival enemy fans, and they're going to have to move because Sunderland have said they can have some of some of our seats. I think. I haven't that's seen the crux of it. I haven't seen Rangers go to Celtic and say, "Oh, for this cup game, by the way, uh, give us you know three times as many seats as 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 you were planning on doing it." And by the way, can we have one of your lounges? And I mean, I've just yeah, not just seen that really sort of thing. You know, Manchester derbies, Birmingham derbies, you know that kind and of. I, I've I not think, seen I it. think Borough, Borough in the FA Cup a couple of years ago, well, actually probably more than a couple of years, ago, probably seven eight years ago. Now I think they were denied a, a large allocation over safety concerns. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I we got sixteen hundred tickets or something on that occasion, or something ridiculous. Yeah, which 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 is wrong. Yeah. I think that's wrong as well. I think there needs to be some sort of happy medium. I think it's it's pushed too far for me. Um, I would have been more comfortable with basically anything that allowed away fans not to be housed in essentially what is the home end. Mm. I know it'll be segregated and stuff, but could they have extended the the Premier Concourse allocation or reduced the allocation by five hundred or, or or whatever? You know, that's still a lot of Newcastle fans. Obviously, the flip side is that is, you know, Newcastle have the right to that 15% and they're already underneath it. So we don't yeah. know the conversations. We don't know what's gone on. But I think from the wayside perspective, it's it's not good at all. Well, I think we're going to be talking about it long and hard right the way through until <laughs> after the game. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. James, thanks for your time this morning, mate. Thanks, James. Uh, Thank you, James. You're on far longer than we'd planned for, but enjoyed it. Thanks, mate. No, I'll, I'll stay off social media as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do that, mate. It's <laughs> <so> awful. <laughs> it's at Steve Wraith, by the way. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. James, James Copley from the Sunderland Echo joins us. Uh, thanks for that, buddy. Uh, three minutes to go, and Daz has walked through the door. Good morning, gents. Daz, good morning. Daz, is there any biscuits left? Um, uh, oh, oh. Yes, there's a couple. There's one or two, yes. A couple? <laughs> Dear me, yeah. He's polished them. Oh, they're good. Oh, blimey. There's the card. Yeah. Oh. Um, is it from our side? It's from our side. I hope he doesn't mind, but I actually butchered it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he was wishing everybody at the Red a happy Christmas, so we've changed it in the Northeast Footy Breakfast Show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'll understand why. To, to, Editorial to right. Dave. To Dave, yeah, to Dave. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Well, that's been a Brilliant good morning, show, lads. Mm. Managed yeah, to yeah. touch to on one about. of the topics on the topics list. Nicely <laughs> 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 As done. always, as always. And, 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 and I'm not stuck in the middle of the moors on top of a transmitter. No, you must I'm be here. happy. I'm yeah. here. Uh, well, the sheep are having a the sheep are having a good rest now. That's the main thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a couple of guests Until on the last my show, show this before morning. Chrissy. I know. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, who have you got? Uh, I've got a Borough legend, Amelia Lilly. Uh, yeah. She's Ooh. a big X Factor star. Uh, she's appearing yep. in Panto along with Philip. Oh Green. no, she's not. Nun- Nunthorpe girl. Nunthorpe yeah, she's girl, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Philip Green, who was a comedian who was on Britain's Got Talent, who got through the finals a couple of years ago as well. Uh, both appearing wow. in Panto. Uh, in the region uh, so we're going to be chatting to them this morning and we've got a Christmassy name that theme this morning get as in well. get in so, oh, so get that in. should be a good one okay right I, I just love the way we you know we're supposed to play a song up to the news and we're getting shorter and shorter and get yeah. 10 seconds of it and then it goes mm-hmm. into the news so mm-hmm. fellas great stuff catch you tomorrow morning yeah take care guys alright have a good one cheers bye from Yarm to Yibbe Harrington to Horsley Hill Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast.
Go, go, go. 